This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Bottridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're also co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. We're talking about bequeathing and inheriting financial assets today. We hope that having the knowledge ahead of time can lessen the confusion at an emotional time. We'll have some tips on how to structure your accounts and policies for when you will them as well. So we'll take your personal finance questions as we do each Tuesday. So give us a call to join the conversation. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 or email money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Good morning, Kevin. Doing well. We're back at full strength now. So if you have a personal <laughs> finance question, we've got double the brain power. I don't know about that. <laughs> one and a half, maybe. Okay. Well, then you've got to counterbalance we've, me. We've, because we've got a boost. <laughs> Most people would probably not want my financial advice. Um, so um, what about financial news in the news? Oh, no. We're back to that T word again. Okay. So as our as our most loyal listeners will know, last week Java was making fun of me for my phone. Uh, and last week was the Apple's announcement of their new iPhones. And they, you know, everyone always complains when they don't like, you know, the phone won't teleport or something like that. <laughs> but the, the phones are all, you know, they're incremental steps, but they're pretty, you know, they're have a lot of brand new technology in them. Um, I did not opt for the brand new high end one. I went way back to the SE, which is essentially an older model than the one I had before. Um, but it's not broken anymore, so our loyal listeners will be pleased to hear that. Java, I hope, will be pleased to hear that as well. Mm-hmm. But that's a that, but that leads into consumer spending, which last week was a consumer sentiment report. Consumer sentiment is up. That means you know people are feeling better about the economy. They're feeling yeah, better about. But there's something weird going on because consumers. Sentiment is Ooh, up, but consumer spending is not matching that, which is really interesting. We're getting them deals. We're couponing. We're buying the older iPhone, <laughs> or maybe but we're, we're just, just as excited about maybe it. Maybe we're just running out of things to buy. I don't know. <laughs> Potentially. But to... yeah, that's that goes all in all with a lot of economic things. And again, the economy is made up of all of these individuals doing things. So when all of the individuals are feeling better, that's good. Normally it would be. Yeah, right, yeah. usually. Uh, except that T word. Right. And so we have an announcement of new tariffs and retaliatory tariffs uh, Ta- on the table. Yeah. T- Tuesday. Oh, golly. I'm just like, why are we doing this? But anyway, we're, we're uh, ratcheting up that war, um, and we'll see how that goes. Certainly the stock market does not like that kind of activity. I've been really fascinated as we're going into the Christmas retail season. There's concern about finding retail workers 
with mm. employment uh, being so tight at this point. There is a company out there, and they create software. I was reading a great article about, um, you know, you have these stores now where you walk in, and there is no cashier. Well, this is taking it to the next level, where they have all of these cameras monitoring you, mm-hmm. and they're monitoring whether you're going to steal something. <laughs> and so th- there is no turnstile. There's just a wide open. You walk in, and it is uh, watching as you take something on the sh- off the shelf and put it back and make a decision about whether to buy or not. And then, of course, when you walk out, it charges you. So, you know, we're looking at maybe some disruption in the retail industry altogether. Um, yeah, and, and so that's one thing people often talk about, you know, oh, cashierless stores and things like that. Oh, you know, the robots are taking our jobs. That's a very common uh, kind of theme, fear. It plays well. You get to write great stories about it. Um, but robots have been taking jobs for a long time. And I think the and, – and people always say, oh, you know, what are the cashiers going to do when they're replaced with a robot? Oh, well, they can go work – building robots. No, that's not the only thing you can do. Like it frees you up to do anything else. You know, one thing to remember with all of this increasing automation, what's always been the case is that just, you know, it goes hand in hand with um, you know, increased well-being, increased um quality of life of people. You know, it's not everybody who gets replaced by a robot turns into a robot maintainer. There's other things. They might go open well, a bakery or in something. This case, you know? what it does is you have fewer people who are manning cashiers, and those retail workers are now going to be circulating through the store and offering service. So it's going to be different. So with the cashier, they some sort of scanner that that scans the barcode no, as you go no, out? No, it's, it's There are a system of cameras monitoring what you're picking up. And so it knows the thing of milk is $1.50. Yes. Okay. And, yes. And now, right now, the what they've been able to offer is very limited, but this is where things are going. Well, and oftentimes there'll also be like an RFID, radio frequency identification tag on it. So instead of a barcode that has to be read by a laser light, you know, from a few inches away, it can be read by a radio wave from a few feet away. So you can just roll that by. Toll takers are also feeling the pinch. I know, I think in Florida started a, th- a system where they're just going to take a picture of everybody's license plate as you drive through. And charge you. Right. Yes. But if I'm the couple from Pennsylvania that takes an, a yearly trip to Florida, what is my incentive for paying the toll? Because, as I have found out from a mother of a child who drove my car to Chicago, you go through and it takes a picture of your license plate. You then have seven days to go online pay the toll, and if you don't, you get a $25 fee uh, a in a penalty in addition to the toll, and then if you're going back and forth several times, it adds up, but they take a picture of your license plate and send it to whoever the f- car is registered to. But that's but my point, I guess, too, is if I'm from Pennsylvania and the state of Florida wants to find me... I mean, I guess if I go back there, you, but... You think they can't find you in, well, if you're um, from Pennsylvania and... Some of us are law-abiding and are scared when we get uh, bills well, in and, the mail. And let me say, I have the little thing on my windshield, so I pay my toll automatically when I go through. But um, I just thought it was an odd way to... Um, well, I guess it speeds along because obviously you're, you're not slowing down throwing money or getting change in there, so it should Right, be. it helps traffic go through very quickly. Right, so... Um, and I guess there's interstate agreement where the state of Florida could work with the state of Pennsylvania to track down 
toll skippers. <laughs> but it, it seems well, like a lot of and, work for you, you know, know. And around here, we we just we don't have toll roads. Well, I, I was just thinking. I think there might be three or four people in the state of Mississippi employed as toll takers. At, it's at the airport when you leave. The, yes. Uh, when you leave the short term parking lot, right. so there's and usually you have to wake them up. It's not gonna it's not gonna be a huge impact on our employment numbers, but there will be. There's about three of them. And as far as running out of things to buy, I recently met a, a guy who's he's a toy collector, specifically My Little Pony figures. Interesting. It's amazing to me. I might have some in my attic. I'll have to get with you after the. But it's amazing to me that I mean, you know, there's the the, there's all different sorts of sets and things you can buy. So at least in the toy market, I would say we do not need to worry about. You think it's it's it limitless there? Pretty much, I think so. Yeah, because again, you know, if you want the or like say collecting something else, you know, you want this one, but then if it's a different outfit or a different pose. But here's the other thing Um, with some things. We're not buying them all the time. I mean, you don't buy a house every year. Right. You don't typically buy a car every year. So there are some goods that last longer and uh, have this longer window before we turn around and buy again. All right. It looks like we've got our friend Timothy on the line from Louisiana. Good morning, Timothy. What do you have for us today? Good morning, y'all. Well, here's where I got it. Uh, I heard your conversation about the automatic checkout. Right. Uh, at the grocery store, and I got a—I have a friend who does tech support for stores. Okay, and you would not believe how people can screw up a system and how systems collapse, like almost daily in some uh, in some stores. You know where they can't scan. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, um, our scientists, priests are predicting heaven, and I question it. <laughs> Well, but but Timothy, think about all the changes just in your lifetime, and those changes don't come about just easily and with no glitches. It takes a while, but that oh, is boy, howdy, that's heading. understatement of the day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good to hear from you, Timothy. Thanks for that call. And also, I would say though that this is maybe kind of what sort of what Ryder was saying earlier is that if you're a cashier and you're out of business, well, then you could possibly retrain because with all this automation and things, they're going to need someone to make sure that the that the cashierless business is still running. My, I think my point is at the Grammy museum mississippi great museum there there's a lot of interactive stuff but when i went some of it was not working right and it was to me it was kind of frustrating because it was you know and so there's to me going to be a position in these museums that have all this interactive stuff of hey fix the touchscreen thing because it's broken now so as one sort of job goes away i think in technology it opens up typical but i think in retail what we're seeing in the landscape is just this huge change you know if you think about main street and so many small retailers just can't survive these days. And you combine that with this change towards automation, um, it means mostly you're going to be left with big players. All right. uh, We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we will begin discussions about uh, some tips on how to handle an inheritance. We're also looking for your personal finance questions, so give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show money at mpbonline.org. By the way, what's an average inheritance? We'll have a statistic when we come back from the break. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
If you're enjoying this podcast, you might like to listen to the broadcast Money Talks did on August 29th, 2017, concerning lottery winnings. That episode can be streamed at mpbonline.org slash moneytalks or downloaded as a podcast from whatever podcast platform you use. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, and Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives. Uh, if you missed part of the show, you can always go to mpbonline.org slash moneytalks to listen again. Also, we always like to remind you about the MPB Public Media app. If you download that for your smartphone, you listen to MPB Think Radio on your schedule. Uh, so today we're talking about uh, suggestions on how to handle an inheritance. Uh, later in the show, we hope to talk a little bit about how to prepare prepare to leave your assets to others as well. Uh, but we always look for your personal finance questions as well, and the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show, money at mpbonline.org. Number one on the list, I think, is something that uh, kind of is a general advice that we give on a lot of financial-related matters, and that is... Think before you spend. If you get a big bunch of money, you don't want to rush into things. You want to take some time to think about how you might spend and or invest it. On an inheritance? Yes. Yeah, definitely. And um, think about maybe you would like to uh, preserve some of it to pass on to the next generation as it was passed on to you. But then a lot of people take that as a chance that, well, there's something that we really wanted to do, some bigger thing. Um, Sometimes in a will, you'll have someone who says, I want you to take this money and take this great trip uh, to celebrate my memory and to create new memories. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, we want to redo the kitchen, Um, but don't suck up the whole amount. Just uh, make a decision about what you will sock away and what you can then enjoy right now. Absolutely. And we always say, you know, make sure you have a a plan. Um, But also, this is this is a great time to revisit any financial plan you might have, because this is this could be, of course, this all depends on the size of the inheritance or the size of the gift. But um, this could be a significant change in your financial uh, life, Uh, just like this could be just like getting a big raise or making a major purchase or retiring. Um, You know, this could be something that you can use to supplement your income or change jobs, or it might just be something that you use to kind of bolster things where you've been falling short already. Uh, But I think for a lot of folks, if you don't have a plan and you sort of just go willy-nilly into it, at at the end of that, you might look up and say, you know, hey, where did all that go? Oh, yeah. I've seen it happen where you just fritter it away. And um, that's not what most people are intending when they pass on those assets. We have a caller on the line. Let's uh, welcome Richard, who's called in from Hattiesburg today. Good morning, Richard. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Good morning. Thank you. Um, wanted, I have a, a deferred comp account through the state, and I want to transfer that to an IRA account. Is that possible? Do you still work for the state? No. No, so you're retired. So, yes, yes. you can do that. You can um, fill out a paperwork uh, for an institution, wherever you'd like to have it, whether it's a bank or a brokerage house or a mutual fund. Open up the IRA account, um, and then you contact Deferred Compensation, and um, sometimes they will be transferred with a transfer paperwork. Right sometimes on? they have transfer paperwork. I can't remember if they've moved to being able to do that uh, on the phone yet, but make sure whatever you do, you call it a direct rollover so that they don't hold any taxes out of it. They know that it's going directly to an IRA. It's not going to pass through your hands. Uh, that's going to be an important consideration. 
or an important thing to tell them. But yes, you can absolutely do that. Okay, thanks. All right. One other question. Go if ahead. I have the uh, a Roth IRA, can I make contributions to that? Not know, if I'm you're not employed. No, if you're not working, you have to have earned income mm-hmm. in order to make new contributions to a Roth or a traditional IRA. Or your spouse needs to have earned income. Okay. That's what I need. Thank right. you. Sure okay. thing. Thanks for your call, Richard. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a personal finance question or a question about inheritance and possibly what to do if you're receiving an inheritance, the number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And so that question about IRAs, about retirement type plans, that brings up a good point on um, just just ways that those are inherited, ways that people pass those on. Um, IRAs. You typically put a beneficiary on it whenever you, you know, if you've ever signed up for a 401k at your work or any sort of IRA, you've probably been prompted to put in a beneficiary. And this is essentially who gets it when you die, because you're probably going to die at some point. And the beneficiary, you know, you can put whoever you want in the state of Mississippi. You're not required to put your spouse on it. You're not even required to to tell your spouse if you don't put them. But uh, that's not the same in all states. And so that when you put a beneficiary on it, it doesn't go through your will. So your will might say, give everything to a trust that I set up for my cat. But if you put your sister down on your IRA beneficiary, your sister will get that with regardless what your will says. Um, so and, and it goes vice versa. Just because you put a beneficiary on your IRA doesn't mean that the same person is going to get your bank account. So that's all a big part of estate planning, which you know is a little bit of a big topic to throw in today. We'll probably do some of that later. Um, a part of your estate planning is looking at everything you have and knowing where all of that's going and, and, and what documents govern that. So again, IRAs, 401ks, retirement type accounts will all have a beneficiary and those do not go through probate. People get real excited about that for some reason. And those do not go through your will. So just be aware of how that affects what's happening when you die. And it's the best thing you can do on any kind of retirement account is name a person rather than putting your estate on there. Because you're complicating things by putting your estate as the beneficiary. Understand that when you sign up, um, you know, you may not be married. You may decide to put your parents on. Life changes. You need to constantly monitor who your beneficiaries are on those accounts. And it's very easy to make a change um, with one sheet of paper typically to adjust who that is. But you need to think about it. And the best person to inherit um, any kind of retirement money is going to be a spouse. Yeah. Um, and that's because all retirement ta- accounts have tax benefits. Uh, so she, Nancy was saying, you know, if you pass it on to your estate, you'll lose a lot of those tax benefits. But, if, but another human being, another natural person uh, can still take advantage of those tax benefits. All right. So if I die under mysterious circumstances, you need to investigate my brother because he's my beneficiary. Ah, got it. Right. Yeah. The other thing that happens is that people will often accident. decide <laughs> to put one person as the beneficiary and they'll say, well, you know, my brother, and my brother's going to then... He's going to spread it out. He's going to spread it out and give it to all... Well, you're complicating things, because now he's going to run into gift issues and tax issues. He's got to have to remember that, too. 
You, and you're going to have to trust <laughs> and, that he's going to do that. And, and beneficiary forms, I mean, you can put as many beneficiaries on something as you want. Even if there's not room on the form that your company gives you, print it up again and, and, and stick more beneficiaries. You can, you can splice and dice it however you want. And keep a copy somewhere. Um, best to be with, with your, your will, will so that somebody knows who those beneficiaries are. Can you, is it equally divided or could you say this person? You can do whatever. Oh, okay. you can yeah. do whatever. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I have more than one sibling, so I might have to revisit that. They can all come after me that way. Uh, Sue has called in uh, from Beaumont this morning. Good morning, Sue. Glad to have you on the air. Good morning, everybody. Good, Good morning. morning. Uh, there's this show I see on TV every once in a while about lottery winners, and I would just like to jerk these people by the hair of their head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. They, they go out and buy million-dollar homes and Lamborghinis and all that kind of stuff, and then next thing you know, they're broke and lost everything. Why doesn't somebody put the brakes on them? It seems like lottery winners ought to have to enroll in some kind of money management show or get themselves a financial advisor or something. Well, I, I don't know that we can force somebody to uh, be wise with their finances, um, but it would be a nice thing to say, hey, maybe maybe there's some extra thing you can get if you go ahead when you win, if you enroll in a program before you start to get your winnings. Maybe that would be some enticement to do that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you're going to make a difference with that because, you know, something happens to people when they get this huge sum of money. I mean, they just go nuts. And most people are not equipped to manage it if you haven't managed your own with whatever the size of the pot, um, then it's going to be really difficult once you are hit with this large amount. The and smartest thing I've ever seen one, one of the winners do is get a put their money in the hands of financial advisors. So when people come around asking for money, they say, well, you'll have to go ask my financial advisor. He's yeah. the one who controls everything. Yeah. Because that's what happens with a lot of winners. Of course, they are hit on all sides. People asking for charitable donations, family asking for handouts. And so to have somebody who can stand, stand in between, in between. Yes. and and say, no, this is all we can do. And, you know, the great thing about having a large amount of money, and Ryder and I get to do this with some of the folks we work with, where they have this pleasure and this joy of giving away. But mm-hmm. it, it takes a lot of work to sit down and think about that and make reasonable gifts that mm-hmm. won't hurt their future and also things that are important to them and that they feel they will make a difference. Okay. And and I think this is a really good point. You know, it's not just lottery winners who are bad with money. Like, yeah, <laughs> literally most most humans, uh, I would say, are bad with money. And working with a you know working with a third party advisor like Sue recommended, it can be very useful for, for people. Working with someone who is objective, someone who doesn't have an interest in getting that money. You know, you know, you, you can get great advice from a family member or a friend, but. If they have any interest at all in that money, then that that advice can be corrupted. And you, this, you see this a lot, you know, when people move, uh, you know, suddenly move to a higher income, you know, people coming out of, you know, graduate school, you know, they've been they've been eating ramen noodles all their life. And now they have a or well, for the past six, seven, eight years. And and, and all of a sudden they have a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar income, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're not necessarily buying a Lamborghini, but uh, it's their 
their money, it, and if they waste their money and fall on hard times, I mean, it's their fault. But absolutely, uh, anyone can sort of benef- anyone can benefit from working with a third party. Okay, thanks. All right, Sue, thanks for your call. By the way, I teased something in the first segment and did not get back to that. We talked about the average inheritance. Well, according to NewRetirement.com, a median inheritance was $69,000. The least wealthy group of families have received on average $6,100 in inheritance. The wealthiest 1% of families have received on average $2.7 million in inheritance. Wow, that's a big difference. That's, uh, that's a wide range there. Yeah. And, and mo- that... Um, that average amount that probably comes from homes. So for most families, you know, once that last parent has died, it's the family home that gets sold and uh, then divided. There's usually is not a lot beyond that. And and here's a great point. So you said the top one percent get two point seven million. Um, one thing that comes up a lot, and I know there's probably some listeners out there wondering about this, is inheritance tax, um, estate taxes, and y- you know what. Uh, you know, they're kind of a weird thing. You know, are they fair? Are they not fair? Do they make sense to assess or not? The estate tax exemption is now, is it now $11 million per well, that, person? No, no, no. It's, it's 11, uh, for a couple. Okay. So it's, so it's I wasn't it's, sure if the tax law changed it, but it's five and a half million dollars per, per person. So you're talking about the top 1% is averaging $2.7 million. Hardly anybody is subject to that estate. We're not talking about something that's likely going to affect you. And if it is going to affect you, um, you know, you probably need a financial advisor. You just give this show a call and see what we think about that. <laughs> um, but, you know, so just you know, bear that in mind. It's it's really only, you know, when people talk about, oh, I need, you know, I need I need to make a trust to avoid inheritance taxes. No. It's like, I mean, yeah, you do if you have an, uh, lots and lots of money, but you probably don't. All right, uh, time for another break. When we get back, we'll continue taking your personal finance questions. Also today, uh, we're dealing with tips on how to handle an inheritance. The number to call if you'd like to join a conversation is one eight seven seven mpb ring which is one 672 7464 You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. By the way, you might have an inheritance that you don't even know about. We'll tell you how to go on that treasure hunt during our next segment. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Tapp, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're also also co-authors of the book, 
piggy planet. Prudent investors get going young. Today, we're looking for your personal finance questions, as we do each Tuesday, but also giving some tips on uh, what to to do, uh, or maybe sometimes not to do, when you receive an inheritance. Before the break, we talked about uh, there might be an inheritance out there waiting for you that you're not aware of. The Office of the State Treasurer is responsible for the administration of the Unclaimed Property Act. The law requires that holders, such as banks, credit unions, insurance companies, retail stores, utility companies, and business associations turn over to the Office of the State Treasurer any assets, such as money, cash, checks, or stocks, that have been abandoned, for which there has been no contact for a period of five years. If you're interested and want to go on that treasure hunt, we have a link on our website. So might be some money waiting out there for you that you were not aware of. And Kevin, that is by state. And uh, so Susan in our office, who is one of uh, the authors on the book, um, monitors our state website to see if we see clients names pop up and we found a lot of money for folks but if you have family in other states so now she's been poking mm-hmm. around in texas and she was just telling us yesterday she found twenty three thousand dollars wow. that she believes belongs to a family member all right so so it's worth uh, the effort it's worth the effort yeah. Okay, uh, so our first tip on uh, receiving an inheritance, think before you spend. Number two makes a whole lot of sense, and I think it's something that, again, uh, people, the the excitement of getting a large windfall of money, but pay off debts, don't incur them. So uh, any thoughts? I mean, this one seems kind of straightforward. I mean, if it's a good idea to pay off that debt, I mean... You know, if you inherited $60,000 and have $100,000 on your mortgage, don't just throw that into it and then and then have nothing less left. Um, you know, if you have some high interest credit cards, um, if you have some medical debt, the, the more expensive debt, it absolutely makes sense to consider that as part of your plan. But I mean, again, going back to number one, think before you spend think before you just throw it at some debt as well because i could you know if that's a mortgage and it's not going to you know and it's going to take up a substantial amount of what you inherit it might not make sense um it might make a little more sense uh to to use that to use that money to supplement other things to help catch you up with other goals it just depends on you know again i I hate to keep saying you know well this depends way too much and like i can't make a general answer here but um it does absolutely depend on what your plan is and what that amount is because it could be that you want to invest which is number three making uh, investing a priority yeah that could be really especially if you're you know you're behind on investing you know maybe either the rest of your financial life is pretty well taken care of you just you've just had some high expenses um, that that have kept you from saving too much this can this can bolster that savings we have a caller on the line so let's uh, invite uh, Brian from Madison into the conversation good morning Brian you're on the air Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing Hi there. Listen, uh, I really appreciate uh, y'all doing what you're doing for the community. It really helps uh, the listen listeners as we're uh, Thanks. passing Thanks. our day. Uh, but I had a question for you, and hopefully you can help me. Uh, basically, about 10 years ago, uh, my company was hit with some financial difficulties where um, we had to let some credit cards go. And um, as hard as that is on, on somebody that takes pride in what they do, um, the problem that I had is that uh, once we started bouncing back, well, that debt was then sold off to somebody else that you just can't locate uh, to try to rectify uh, those balances. And so uh, recently I had uh, one day I had some overdraft coming through my accounts and noticed that uh, all of a sudden somebody had bought up that debt. And then they started taking 
uh, everything out of my accounts, mm. um, and which which really hit us again. And this we're talking about ten years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it, is there anything I can do to? Um, um, try to fix this or oof. rectify it because the problem okay. I have is that as soon as they would take it out, then all of a sudden I'd be broke. And so, all right, um, I, 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 I'm having trouble understanding how somebody could garnish uh, and dip into your account typically, without you without you knowing. Yeah, typically that's only the IRS that can do that. Um, okay, well, that I mean, everything I'm saying is 100 true. Uh, one day I just woke up and all of a sudden all my money out of my account was gone. We located that it was a uh, an attorney out of Nashville. All right. And, uh, and uh, we called our bank, and the bank said, absolutely, they can uh, garnish your wages. And without telling you anything, they can take everything up to that debt that they bought of out of your account. And so what we had to do is that I had to close all my accounts because here I'm – you know, just trying to, like everybody else in the world, trying to pay bills and take care of family, mm, then absolutely. all of a sudden they take you down to zero. To me, it just seems like that's a complete unfairness, even though I'm not trying to make yeah. uh, light of what okay, I did 10 Brian, years ago. So uh, you said this was business debt, but I'm assuming like most people who start businesses, you open accounts in your name personally, right? Uh, yes, it was both. It was both in my name and my business name. Okay, so that's what happens is now this goes on your personal record. That's right. Ha- have you looked at, have you pulled a credit report to see what's still sitting out there? Um, I have, but since that debt was so long ago, nothing shows up anymore. Um, and see, I'm that's, really, that's a little odd. And it's odd to me that... that um, if it's not the IRS, how somebody else could do this without notifying you first. Yes. Yeah, that's they, they absolutely did not notify. OK, you need to find an attorney. OK. Yeah. So and there's there's two things, two things you can do like right now is trying to contact uh, whoever it is doing the collecting and negotiate something. But also at the same time, getting an attorney to find out, especially, you know, depending on the amount. Look, I mean, if it's if it's five hundred bucks, like maybe that's not so bad for you. But if it's fifty thousand dollars, yeah, let's you know, it's definitely worth paying an attorney for. Um, but getting an attorney to see what. What protection you do have? Because again, if it was incurred under the business and and they're trying to collect on it, that's a problem. They shouldn't be able to do that. Um, this really sounds like this is. I mean, this is a way down the spectrum of nightmare stories with debt collectors. You, this is a terrible situation. This is absolutely terrible. You should. You know, nobody should really be in. You know, get into situations like this. You know, I hate that that's happened to you. But um, for anybody who, who who does have kind of debt collectors chasing them yeah one contact them and see if you can negotiate i mean if this debt is 10 years old it's probably been sold multiple times for uh, you know they probably paid a penny for every dollar of debt you know and if you negotiate to pay five cents of that they will be making out like bandits and they will love it now um, understand that you do have some protections um as a debtor and okay. um, that's why you need to, to talk to an attorney. Because, again, I'm really yeah. surprised that somebody could do this if they're not the IRS. That's and, the only case where I've seen that they can just stick their hands in and take whatever. And, and I would say, you know, uh, if you do have the time, listen, I don't know what the topic is, but you can always call into the legal show. They might have some information about how that can be done. I mean, obviously, if a person goes through court and a court says, yeah, you know, this is the person's bank, they need to be sending them that money. But without you knowing, Knowing about yeah, that at all is a little 
surprising. It's very suspicious. Um, so I would, you know, definitely, definitely uh, check and, with an attorney. You know, about what that. about the attorney general's office, Ryder? Um, they do okay. have a consumer division where you mm-hmm. could check with them to find out what are your rights mm-hmm. as well as what are your responsibilities. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. sta- the state attorneys general as well as the federal uh, consumer finance protection bureau. Um, the consumer finance protection bureau actually will have a lot of information about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily you know think they're a resource you could easily just call and get some help with. Uh, but the attorneys general attorney general's office um, as well. But just because if this is a if this is um, a predatory debt collector, you know, they want to know about that, uh, especially especially if they're doing things which uh, aren't exactly. And, legal and this is also what I'm wondering money. if if the bank um, let that money go and there's a question about it, then they have some liability. They have some exposure as well. Well, that's a good question. Uh, to answer your question about, uh, you know, did I know about it or not, what I end up find out, finding out later, because once I called my bank when all this was going on, they told me uh, who the debtor was that was coming after uh, this amount of money. And they said that uh, I ended up calling a court system that I did not get um, subpoena on or I, mm-hmm. they didn't give me any kind of notification that this was even that this person went to court. They bought up this debt. And then that's when they came after me uh, by using my social security number. Mm-hmm. Once they found my bank account, then they put a lien on my bank account to get that money. And it's we're talking about ten thousand dollars. Oh so, uh, wow! Yeah. And, and so when they when they hit me, they took everything out of my account and left me at zero. And so with with a, with a man with a family, who you talking about stress? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and this was a credit card. Yeah, so it was American Express. Oh man, I I I think you need to go find an attorney. Okay. Yeah. All right. Brian, uh, thanks for the call. Good luck. I hope that uh, you can uh, resolve that uh, to your benefit there. That's an awful situation. As he said, you know, I don't think, I don't know, I don't know about laws and everything, but to me, to be able to take all the money out of someone's account like that, that just not seem fair. Um, but just to reiterate for everybody listening, you know, that in particular is a nightmare scenario. I mean, you, you do hear those stories, though. And so if you ever find yourself in a situation like that or a situation that is approaching that, um, one, you know, contact with the person who is doing it so that you can negotiate. That's that's one route. Uh, but also, you know, for particularly egregious cases like uh, Brian's, then legal advice may may be fruitful. All right. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Let's take one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll transition our discussion just a bit. We've been talking about what to do when you receive an inheritance. Uh, Now we'll give you some uh, ways that you can pass along money to others upon your demise. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Looking for your calls this morning. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email the show as well. Money at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this.
Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taft. Today we are talking about inheritance. For the first part of the show, we talked about uh, what you should or maybe shouldn't do when receiving uh, an inheritance. And now we're going to spend the rest of the show talking about some ways to think about when you need to uh, pass along your financial assets. And the top of this discussion will say, probably a good idea to consult with a tax professional or an Mm -hmm. attorney or a financial advisor to help you decide what is right for your situation when you're passing along your financial assets. So right on our list, number one is the non-probate assets, and you had mentioned that earlier with the retirement accounts. Exactly. So uh, non-probate assets are assets that don't have to go through probate. Probate is the period after you die and after someone opens up an estate account for you where, you you know, uh, people who are owed money by you, um, anyone who thinks they have a claim on your estate can come forward and say they have a claim. Uh, So non-probate assets are things which have been set up to avoid that period. And you can do that, again, retirement accounts generally your financial institution will almost make you put a beneficiary on there. But you can also do that by putting transfer on death instructions on accounts. Um, most, if not all, financial institutions will offer this. Um, they may not make it easy or obvious for you, but you can always ask somebody about, you know, if you just have a regular taxable account, you know, a bank account where your check shows up. You can have that set up so that it, you know, when you die, uh, all the person has to do, all the beneficiary has to do is show up with your death certificate and be like, I'm the one change it to my name and you know that pretty much does it they'll have to give over some obviously open up their own account for that um, but also another thing that's non-probate maybe this isn't non-probate but it's in a similar vein is things like joint accounts uh, jointly owned assets um, you know if if I own something jointly with somebody else and I die pretty much at that moment it becomes theirs um, and, and that's you know that's painless you know uh, one one caution I have there though is a lot of people will do that, you know, instead of doing a will or doing transfer on death. And they'll think, okay, well, I'll do this account. I'll be joint with, you know, child number one. This account is a joint account with child number two. And this account is joint account with child number three. And while that might make sense at the time, in 10 years, if you spent down one of those accounts, one of those kids isn't getting anything. <laughs> and it's better to do that with a will. I mean, they, you know, people don't like probate. People think it's scary. People think someone's going to come and take their stuff. It's it's not it's not that big a deal. I mean, unless you do have like a ton of debts out there you're trying to hide from. Well, the other thing about joint accounts that I see happens a lot is uh, mom wants to, to have one child be able to write checks mm-hmm. and handle everything. So she puts that child as a joint owner not realizing that she's disinheriting any other children right. along the way because once she dies that entire account goes to that other person who's on the account yeah. so that's the caution with doing joint ownership yeah. it's um, not designed to be your estate plan no it's not well that's interesting because i actually have a small um account that is my mother is the co-owner mm-hmm. and so I'll get it all yeah. um, okay it, it, and it can it can make sense um, but just understand you know if if all of your assets are just cash in that account understand your other children aren't getting any of it there unless is, you have a very um, nice son there usually is a way to uh, allow somebody to be a signer on your account mm-hmm. without being an owner too so check with your bank about that yeah. alright got another phone call to get to it's Dorothy and Jackson good morning Dorothy you're next so go ahead okay uh thanks for taking my question 
the gentleman called earlier about the deferred comp rollover to an IRA. Yes, ma'am. And would you talk about the advantages and disadvantages of doing that? Yeah, so I'll actually uh, kick off with a disadvantage here uh, that that is unique to, I believe it's called a government 457B plan. Um, with most IRAs, you can, uh, you know, you put money in all your life, you know, with, with a deferred IRA, most 401ks are like this. You put money in, you get a tax break for putting it in. Uh, if you take money out early, and that's before you're 59 and a half, if you take money out early, then you have to pay a penalty tax on it. Now, with uh, with MDC, uh, with that plan, you don't have the penalty tax. Uh, the the withdrawal age is, I think, fifty five. If you're not working, if right? you're if you're no longer working, so there's a li- there, there's five more years of flexibility. And I think one of the reason is that traditionally um, a lot of government jobs that they, they've also been covered by a pension, and the pension kind of allows you after say like twenty five years, you know, to retire with pretty good benefits so they expect folks who are maybe 55 to be retired and maybe needing a little bit of that money um so that's a that's a benefit of the mdc that you might not have in an ira however um if you're over 59 and a half anyway. If you're over 59 and a half anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, and most of the benefits you get from a rollover, regardless of if it's MDC or a 401k or whatever, is that you have a lot more flexibility with that um, with that account. And and that's flexibility in how it's invested. Uh, I will say MDC, you know, the investment options are, are fairly, they're, they're good, uh, but they're fairly limited. Um, and if you, particularly if you're already working with an advisor and they have you invest it in a particular way and that's the way you're comfortable with, that's the way you like, or maybe you want to do it yourself and buy individual stocks in that account, uh, rolling it over to an IRA is what's going to allow you to do that. And and that's uh, more flexibility and, and flexibility is, com- is, is, is important not only when you're tr- talking about adjusting that risk uh, profile for what you really need, uh, but also just being comfortable and being happy with the account because that's what's going to keep you um, well, and the sticking other, to your plan. The other flexibility that we hear about is in withdrawals um, because um, sometimes it can be a little bit cumbersome if you're dealing with mm-hmm. deferred compensation, a 401k, a formal plan, actually getting to the administrators and filling out the paperwork to get the money that you want yeah. when you want it. And IRAs are usually pretty easy. Now, they're making it easier to do that, I will yeah. say. But you just have to think about um, you know what your needs are. The other thing I would say is when you leave it within a 401k, you have to think about what are the expenses within that 401k or deferred compensation versus if I roll it over to something else, am I going to have higher expenses or lower expenses for the funds that are uh, I'm using to invest in with that that particular portfolio and in any advisor fees on top of that? Yeah, and and so particular the so fees and expenses particular to MDC are pretty good, but again for our broader audience, maybe you have a 401k. I looked at a 401k literally just last week and it was the fees were atrocious. Uh, I mean, they there was a fund in there which the person, as far as I know, had not been had not selected this fund themselves. It had a, maybe a one point six percent fee on it. I mean, it was absolutely disgusting. It was absolutely atrocious. Nobody should have a fee that high. Okay. So, okay, thank yeah. you. All right, there you go. Mm-hmm. Thanks All for the call, right, Dorothy. Thanks. Let's get one more call in for the hour, and it goes to Ann, who's called in today. Good morning, Ann. Go ahead, please. 
Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my question is regarding uh, a nursing home and property. Mm-hmm. We have a love to go into the nursing home, and I know there's like, what, five years that mm-hmm. this property, they have to at least be out of their names. And right. I just want you to uh, elaborate on that a little bit because I've run into that with some family members. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking about someone who's uh, qualifying That's for Medicaid, Medicaid. correct? No, they're not qualified. Well, they may be. I'm not sure. That that that's, that four year look back is a, is a Medicaid rule. Uh, so that's what it sounds oh, like. Yeah, that 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 that's the difference. I was trying to figure out because mm-hmm. my cousins had the problem and we didn't, and they were saying how the child do it. That's it. That's it. But yeah. you can still <laughs> tell a little bit about that. They they are entitled to take it, not take it, but. Well, it depends. Like if you have a couple and uh-huh. let's say the husband goes into a nursing home situation, but the uh-huh. wife is still at home, they will allow okay. you to maintain that residence as far as I understand. Mm-hmm. It's okay. just that when it's that last person, there is a point where they will expect uh, to receive some of the proceeds. Now, they may not demand that you sell it at that point, but once that person has died, then they can then come back on the estate mm-hmm. and present you with bills that the, uh, the proceeds yeah. of that property have to cover. Because yeah, we got a sad situation with the house is just in ruins almost now, but the cousins don't want to put any money in it because they're saying they're going to take it. And I'm trying to tell them I don't, you know, get some legal counsel to see what Yeah, I think that's a good idea because it is possible that they're correct that um, that house, that property will be sold and then given back to cover those yeah. Medicaid bills. Yeah, and, and, and keep in mind that, that that's because Medicaid is a needs-based thing. Uh, it's for low-income folks, and if that person who is receiving Medicaid actually has, you know, a lot of money somewhere, then that that's, that's, not, what, that's not what Medicaid is for. So so this does also consider investment accounts and bank accounts and things Anything like that. that you have. Um, yeah. But yes, there are ways uh, to kind of structure your accounts in such a way that it's it's maybe a little cleaner. Maybe you have fewer jointly owned assets, so that someone who is going to receive Medicaid or looks like they're going to receive Medicaid in the future, it, you can make that transition a little easier and incur fewer costs on the family. All right, Ann. Thanks for the call. Uh, as we wrap up, I would say maybe the thing to take away from our discussion this morning, you know, it might be exciting to receive a large windfall of money from an inheritance, but rule number one, think before you spend. So go into it uh, cautiously so that you uh, get the most out of that money. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is at mpbonline.org slash talks. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Ryder Taft, and Nancy Lotter-Janderson. I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's in legal terms. The topic of the show today, Supreme Court justice confirmations. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. If you're enjoying this podcast, you might like to listen to the broadcast in legal terms did on February 13th, 2018, concerning wills and trusts. That episode can be streamed at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms or downloaded as a podcast from whatever podcast platform you use. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.